cliffcentral.com. Yeah, we are firing it up this morning on the Burning Platform, which, as always, is brought to you by Nando's. Um, every Thursday morning brings us the opportunity to catch up with all the big stories of the week and to do some analysis and to gossip a little bit, <laughs> try to get to the, the root cause of so many of the problems and so many of the situations that we find ourselves in. Uh, on cliffcentral.com and in South Africa. And we don't always just look at South Africa. We also look at the rest of the world and what's going on there. There's plenty to talk about this morning. If there's anything you'd like us to address, then please send us a message live on YouTube or you can WhatsApp us on 0797482090. And you can also email us, gareth at cliffcentral.com with whatever's on your mind. So this morning, in case you don't know him already, he's been a returning champion on the Burning Platform a couple of times. He's a senior fellow at African Liberty, and that is Africa's premier platform for advancing economic freedom and individual liberty. He's a commentator on politics, economics, and global affairs. He is Pum Nani Majosi. How are you, sir? Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Nice to see you. Thank you for waking up early to be with us this morning. (laughs) <laughs> Great to be here, man. I always enjoy being being on this platform. Thank you. I'm but I mean, I, I always say that the, the, the name of your show, the Burning Platform, mm-hmm. like yeah, you know, speaks for it itself. Yeah, it is. And I'm sorry that Pumi's not here this morning because um, we were looking forward to having some arguments with her. And I know you and she are not exactly um, aligned on every facet of of our discussion, particularly the economic ones. But uh, Pumi is not feeling well this morning, so she will not be joining us today. Uh, So Pumlani, uh, let's just catch up with you because the last time we spoke to you was probably on my TV show. Um, I know you haven't been on on the burning platform for some time, but we've got so much to catch up on. Tell us what's going on at African Liberty just quickly so we can uh, we can cover that territory right up front. And tell us what projects you're involved in at the moment because I, I see you all over the place. I see you doing lots of really interesting stuff. Yeah, so at African Liberty, we are still on the course. Uh, we are pushing and advancing, um, you know, pro-market. Holding um, the line. Ideas, uh, pro-business. Can you hear me, Gareth? Yes, loud and clear. Yeah, so I mean, we are pushing for that. Um, we are just getting published uh, left and right, even in international um, news platform, which is quite good with our team. That is, uh, some of them are based in Africa, some of them are based in the USA. So it's been, it's been, we're always pushing. You know, Africa, there is much work to be done here. I always say, um, when you look at uh, Africa's economies, they are ranked at the bottom when it comes to what's called the economic freedom index, you know, the measure of, of you know, openness, yeah. the measure, I mean, the, the measure of, um, you know, things like private property rights. Africa is at the bottom. And, and, and by the way, um, the shocking thing is that as we are at the bottom, uh, we are also amongst the poorest, if not the poorest, you know, region in the world. You know, our countries yeah. are very poor. That's right. So there's much work in that space. We are pushing that. No. Um, and um, yeah, mm-hmm. say no, 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 you've uh, finished because there was uh, you haven't finished telling us about uh, what you guys are busy with. Sorry. Yeah. So um, oh, I'm currently also pushing, um, uh, trying to push more commentary in South Africa as well around um, you know economic and political issues. Um, I tweet a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Some well, people. I mean, thank God, thank thank God for Twitter. I mean, you, you you get into huge trouble on Twitter. So I, I on the times that I do still go on, and I remember when I was on there all the time, you were very vocal, and you continue to be. And it's it's actually a very like it's it's probably one of the bravest things people can do at the moment is to is to speak about the things you do on social media because it isn't popular, and people do. Um, react very badly to to a bunch of things that are proven, but not necessarily popular, uh, like the free market, like you know private property. What kind of a response do you get from local media about the things that you guys at, at African Liberty stand for? Would you say that the South African media, television, the print media, um, any of these media organisations, radio, even, would you say that they are warm? To the ideas of private property and of free market uh, systems and of, of free trade and of, of business in general, small business in particular, or are they hostile to the ideas that you guys embody? 
Well, as media, I don't expect them to take certain sides, right? But of course, media houses have their editorial perspective. No, sure. You know, they shouldn't be but biased. I, but but what kind of a response do you get? Yeah, For yeah. example, we know that so, you know they don't, they don't have any mm. problem asking you know the South African Communist Party what they think of things, even though the South African Communist Party has built absolutely nothing and created absolutely no value for anyone but themselves. But they'll talk to them any day of the week and twice on Sundays. Do you get the same reception? Well, it's not. I've been on on, on mainstream media platforms, Garrett, um, including your show, actually. (laughs) So... um, so there, there is, they do invite uh, these views that I stand for, these values. I call them values. Um, that's the right term. Um, I, I believe that's the right term. So um, they're, they're open to that, but not as often as, um, you know, they contact or reach out to the far left organization, right? Or maybe I should say right. left-wing organizations, the SACP, yeah. COSATUS, and so on. I think those guys they get more voice um, on these platforms than than us, and also you know I, I was tweeting I tweeted something this week where I said you know there's one uh, very w- well known um, news um, platform where I used to write articles for them, um, and I noticed something, Gareth, when I was writing about the issues of race, economics, politics, writing from my own sort of classical liberal perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I had issues, man, there. I had issues. I had to find myself going back and forth with the editors, right? Yeah. And it wasn't just editors. I had, I had that experience, right? Because I was trying to be told, no, this is what you should say, right? Okay. Uh, you know, uh, having that argument with the editor around my opinion, I didn't like that to a point that I had to stop. So you are going to find those people Will resist, especially which, those who are in control. Which publication was that? Because you can, ideas. you can, you can mention them here. Nah, it's okay. I won't do that, Garrett. <laughs> hmm, okay. All right, you're, you're, yeah. you're a gentleman then. All right, so Pumnani, let's talk about a few things. Um, I want to talk especially about the finance minister. So, I spoke to our former finance minister on Monday, out of the blue. Uh, he said he's so relieved that he doesn't have to do that job anymore, which is precisely what I thought his his reaction would be when the president announced that cabinet reshuffle. Poor old Tito Mboweni really has tried to hold the line. And I think he's been, he's been a lone voice in cabinet fighting for the ideas of basic economics, which I don't think very many other people in cabinet understand. Um, and, and certainly are not warm to, you know, you talk about the media not being warm to property rights and free market capitalism and all the rest of it. Well, cabinet's even less warm to that stuff. In fact, they're all, they're all immersed um, and, and, and they've been matured in a source of terrible left-wing ideas, which will never result in jobs, employment, or the improvement of society in general. But they still cling to those mm. things. And for me, Tito Mboweni was trying his best. I mean, he's by no means perfect. And in a perfect world, in an ideal world, we, we wish we could choose finance ministers who would be even more um, well rounded in terms of how the world economy actually works and how South Africa's economy could be improved. But he was good for what we what we had in cabinet. And, you know, the ANC is hardly a deep pool of talent when it comes to this stuff. I like Tito Mboweni, yes. but he's out now. So what we're left with is Enoch Gondongwana. And we've seen some of the things that Enoch uh, Gondongwana has, has written before. Um, what sort of a finance minister do you think he's going to be? And should we be more afraid or should we feel relaxed about the fact that uh, he's in and Tito's out? Well, I couldn't, I wouldn't use the word uh, relax, Gareth, because remember, this is uh, the member of the ANC, right? That's like a caveat you have to put in front of everything these days. So yes, I agree. Exactly. I mean, exactly. Um, right. So I wouldn't say relax because even, I'll be honest with you, uh, Gareth, you know, I do agree with you that Tito uh, Mboweni was more kind of, um, you know, sensible minister, I would say that. Though there are, there are few issues I disagree with him on, but, I mean, on many fundamental issues, he, he was right, and he had the right thinking. Yes. Um, so, uh, you know, Kotongwana is, is um, he's the member of the ANC. I think with him as well, I, 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 
for sure there will be issues that I will disagree with. But I think on the fundamentals of um, do we need more, you know, higher taxes or not, he is the right thinking there because he has said, you know, this idea of hiking taxes isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. And he has also said that, you know, increased government spending won't be the way to get out of, 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 of our economy. By the mess. way, that he's, Which is the same thing that Mboweni has said. Yeah, and, and he's not before. alone in the world. I mean, we look at what's happening in America with Joe Biden spending more money than has ever been made in the history of the world and, and, and plunging the U.S. into even more debt and taxing people even more, which is just not going to result in what both our government and the U.S. government at, under Joe Biden think is going to happen. For some reason, they're not paying attention to the fundamentals here. All that it's going to do is create huge inflation and, if anything, dampen enthusiasm in the marketplace and, and create less jobs. But they, they seem to operate on you know, two different tracks. They're, they've got cognitive dissonance going on in their heads, these guys, because they, they don't pay attention to the, the economic fundamentals. They, they don't necessarily give them the the benefit of of the doubt when it comes to trying to implement uh, economic policy but at the same time they they promise everybody that they've got the solutions we can't see solutions in their in their practice but in theory they they think that that's enough you know there's, there's that old saying of that looks that works perfectly the, the 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 system this is what you hear from academics especially in economics they go the economic system we get it, like, you know, capitalism has really pulled more people out of poverty than anything else. But would it work in theory? You know, <laughs> it's yeah, just madness. Yeah, yeah. So you, you think and, Enoch, and, you, you think Enoch's going to be more like Tito and more of the same? I think more of the same is what I, the, the word I've used before. So there is there's some sort of policy continuity of some sort with okay. Enoch Kotongwana because he's not a... Um, a, a person who's hostile to business, right? Mm. When we look at his record, he is one. He has been one of the guys who are, you know, sensible in the NC, right? Mm. Of course, we know that the NC is also influenced by its politics, right? The politics of itself and the politics of its affiliates, the Communist Party, the COSATU as well, and other organizations. You mm. know, that sort of pressure when it comes to um, on matters of, of public policy. So um, there is a continuation here. And by the way, what he has said, which I think um, is what I really liked what Kotongwana has said, where he has basically said, you know, uh, this idea of handouts, the idea of grants and hand and handouts yeah. to the youth to the youth isn't going to work right. The best thing that we should should strive for is jobs. And 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 Gareth, if you followed me over the past years, it's 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 the same thing I always preach. We cannot live on grants and, and, and subsidies and handouts and increased government spending on, right. on, on social, whatever we, we are pushing for. We need to get people back to work, right? If you have almost half of your workforce as a country out of jobs, mm-hmm. that you cannot find them. That's a huge problem, right? In fact, in emerging markets, South Africa is the biggest problem of unemployment. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how we begin to solve that, but there are, there are a number of people we've had in the past on the burning platform and many of them including Pumi uh, are of the opinion that we need less government regulation we need to free up the labor force um Canthan Pillay was on the other day saying that what we need to do is abandon the minimum wage he says if you completely get rid of the minimum wage you will create opportunities for people because people would rather earn you know 50 rand than nothing because they're being prevented from earning that 50 rand by the government who with all the best intentions in the world you could say the minimum wage is a hundred thousand rand, but that doesn't mean people are going to stick to it. Am I right? You're exactly right. Hey, and by the way, I need to bring some sensibility on the, on the issue of the minimum wage, um, just to add to to already sensible points. And that is, if you earn a low wage, right, that prepares you or gives you experience, right, to be in a position to get. A, a job that pays a higher wage next time, right? If you sit at home and you mm. earn zero rent, what yes. experience are you getting there, Gary? Nothing. Especially amongst our youth. Because yeah. I think they are the most important, impacted by this national min- minimum wage that we see, right? Now, when you talk against the minimum wage, which is what I have done over the past years, the usual questions um, from from the the left is, okay, what are we going to do about exploitation, right? 
people are, people are being exploited people are being paid slave wages right so i mean and then well yes the wages may be low right but i mean what exactly is the crisis here is isn't the crisis we face in south africa isn't the crisis um that we face having to do with the high the highest levels of unemployment where people are sitting at home right and earning nothing right basically helpless and you know tempted to in in some ways you know commit crime especially in but isn't the, youth. isn't the very the recent, it, you know it, it seems like the, the same people who will say that a minimum wage w- is necessary to prevent exploitation have no problem with the government exploiting people by putting them on a social grant of 300 and something rand you know either you're four people earning a lot of money and in that case you need to be for a very high social grant or for a very high minimum wage which obviously you have to be able to afford and this country can't or I don't believe you. I think you're a hypocrite when you say, for example, no, no, minimum wage needs to be X amount of rand a month or X amount of rand a day or X amount of rand an hour. But you're perfectly okay with government giving some 300-odd rand to people every month and that that's okay. Just throw some bread at the peasants and that'll work just fine. You know, it, it doesn't seem to strike those people that that, that, that is a point of, of some hypocrisy. There hasn't been much controversy around how how low and and demeaning the 350 is. I so mean, would so you, demeaning. Uh, as Garrett live on 350? There's right? not. There's no and way. As politicians, would you live on 350 a month? Right. <laughs> so if 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 you know if the advocates of the of the minimum wage um, were sort of um, complaining about this as much. Any, if, yeah. <laughs> well, if, if their values were not corrupt, mm. <laughs> you know, they would be pushing for a higher um, uh, monthly um, grant from government instead of the 350, right? They would be saying, well, if we if we can force businesses, because we want businesses to pay 4,000, 5,000, whatever the minimum wage they want, they want mm-hmm. then they must do the same with government and question <laughs> why is government giving 350. That is if their values, if they were consistent right. from their values. But the problem is that they always jump around. Right? And and they seem That's to think the they seem to think that businesses just magically make money. And they think businesses are there to employ people, but businesses are actually there to generate a profit. No one's going to start a business just because they want to employ people. Employing people is difficult. I was, right? I was with the, I was in a panel uh, with um, with Kondi Mashaba. Um, hmm. Was it two years back? That's Herman, uh, that's Herman Mashaba's wife, and yeah. and she was the woman who started Black Like Me with him, and and you know they've been married for years. She's very very for sharp. Years. She's very sharp, and very, very as you say, and very sensible on on how business operates. Right? Yes, and she said something that I think should be spread across the whole country. What's that? And that is business. There is no person who starts a business with the intention to create jobs. Correct. Right? You don't start a business to 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 try and do some social no. development, develop your community. That's not what Connie is saying. That that's not the objective of starting a business. You start a business to make profit or mm-hmm. maybe to make income. If I should, sure. if I should put it like that. But your objective is to make money. That's what she says. Right. <laughs> and in that process, you are going to you know, to create jobs and bring about and make the community better. But your main ob- objective as a business person is to make money. I'm so, and pleased, I think I'm was- so pleased you said that. And, and God bless Connie uh, Mashaba for saying that, because it seems to me there are lots of people in this world who've just, you know, and economics is not something that you get taught at school. And I understand very little about it, but I understand more than the average South African, because most South Africans are still laboring under the misapprehension that business is just about exploitation or it's on the other hand about creating jobs it's none of those things it's just to make an income it's the same as getting a job except you're working for yourself most people if you ask them they would say i would prefer not to employ anybody i employ people because a i can't do everything myself b my business is growing or c i need to have more people around because there is more work to do that's all no one's going Oh, well, what, you know what the problem is with my business is I just don't employ enough people, so I'm just going to hire a bunch of people so that the business eventually goes bankrupt. Well, it's like saying, well, I don't have I don't have uh, very big costs. I'm therefore going to increase costs 
What's employing people is a cost, and every business <laughs> exactly. seeks to decrease the cost, right? Correct. That's what you want. That's what you do if you want to increase profit, right? Because profit is equal to revenue minus cost, and you want to that part of the the cost part of the equation is what you always want to to keep at a minimum, and zero is the best, right? All right. So but, I mean, but do you um, think do you think that our, our our ministers, and particularly the finance minister, understands that because we do have. There are still very smart people in Treasury. There are still very smart people working at SARS. And I'm sure that those people occasionally have to win an argument. I mean, I'm sure that Tito Mboweni, while he was Minister of Finance, won one or two arguments against the rest of them, the ones who don't get it at all, who've never opened a business, who've never earned a cent that wasn't given to them by the government before. Surely those people win an argument every now and then, and surely those people can prevail when it comes to the balance sheet because – Ultimately, the taps have run dry. Like, we can't tax people anymore in this country. There is no more left to tax. No, there is no more left to tax. Um, and, you know, when you look at this, there's been this proposal by Mboweni when he was in to say that, um, you know, people can tap into their, their pension funds and all that so they're able to, sure. to sustain themselves. Uh, themselves. At least that was... That's what is being discussed within the Treasury. Um, mm. Simply because, I mean, even Ramaphosa has admitted a few months back that really there isn't money, right, to finance this program. So we are in a, and we have a very a small tax base in the country. Um, and with the tax base, we've seen more and more increased government spending. Um, and part of that, I mean, big of, I mean, big part of that, we've had to borrow it, right? Right. That's why we've continuously increased our debt. Um, so, I mean, we, we, it's, um, where South Africa is right now, it's, it's what we need are more of reforms that will get economic productivity to stronger levels, right? Because if you have a strong performing economy, then we are going to receive more tax revenues. So that's the option that we have. You know, we can't tax more now. It's a matter of, creating an economy that is more productive with higher or rapid economic growth rates. So then you are able to, to get those tax revenues and then you can manage the country. So that is the state. That is the state where we are in. And you, you, the part of your comment, Ella, was, I mean, do, do does the minister or do these ministers get this? Well, I think Kotongwada does understand the basics. Okay. Just as more winning. Uh, you know, understood the basics. Right. You know? But when it touched even on very controversial matters within the ANC, and that was, you know, labor market reforms, mm. which is controversial with Kosatu, he went as far as saying we need reforms then. So, I mean, he gets it, and Kotongwana as well is someone who, who uh, gets it to an extent. Yeah. And the question is, um, can he bring the necessary reforms going forward? Um, and my view is that he won't go as far as far enough. Um, like as we've seen with Mboweni, right? If you've just if you've just joined us, then uh, you are on the burning platform. Uh, Pumlani Majozi is our guest this morning. We're talking about mostly economic policy because that's an area of particular interest to Pumlani. And we had a new finance minister announced by the president last week. In fact, a new cabinet. I see uh, Tandi Modise has taken over where Nosiviwa Mapisa Ngakula was. And she's now moved to Tandy's old job. So it's just, it's really shuffling. You know, someone sent me a picture, which I think explains this really well. It's like a, a basket of rotten fruit. And then all they do is they shake up the rotten fruit, but it's still the same fruit. That's exactly what, uh, what the ANC does when it, it reshuffles. And I know this is a bit of an ANC bashing. And I know, I mean, Dogozo is saying this morning, you and I are largely going to agree on things. And, and that is unfortunately what's going to happen here. But that's also because what we're saying. And that's okay. Hey, we don't have, we don't need to have to always have uh, the left and the right. Yeah. We don't have to. We, I mean, have we, we, we try, <laughs> we try to get as many people on the show with as yeah. many different points of view as possible. But I have to tell you also, when it comes to talking economics, it's very hard to find anyone on the left who's willing to argue and debate about these things because they don't have good arguments to offer. I've looked at what communists and leftists and Marxists and even people who have um, even more archaic ideas than that, believe it or not, there are some. Those people don't like a debate. They don't like an argument. You offer them the opportunity to come on these shows and they don't want them. They don't want to come into it because they know they're going to be found on the basis of 
evidence and facts and history to uh, have very weak and feeble arguments. So they prefer, prefer to postulate in places like, you know, universities where no one's going to challenge them. And they don't get challenged there because most of their lecturers feel the same way they do. Um, so it, I'm sorry that, that we're not arguing if that's what you were looking for. But we also have to discuss these things because this is what go, what's going on at the moment. And I'm tired of talking in circles. Um, we, we're talking about solutions this morning, hopefully. Let's just talk about uh, Cyril Ramaphosa going to the State Capture Commission again and whether there's anything interesting you picked up from that. I'm sure that you've been paying attention to the news this week. Uh, it's his second appearance. He was talking about how even as deputy president, there was all this stuff going on around him, but he seems to have been just an observer. Yeah, you know, what I picked up yesterday was that there was a great deal of denial, right? Um, A great deal of saying, well, I didn't know. Um, Mm. And in fact, he recommended the appointment of Brian Molefe (laughs) back in in 2015, if I'm not mistaken, um, you know, to be appointed as the CEO of ESCOM. Right. Um, And... (laughs) I Can mean, believe that? what a disaster, <laughs> right? That's got to that's got to go down as one of the stupidest decisions ever made. And he admitted at the Zonda Commission that he was part of making that decision. This is our president. This but is the said, man. This is the man who everybody didn't know. Oh, please, he didn't know. Do you believe that? Maybe he had Gupta ties. Did you? Do you believe? <laughs> no, that? I don't believe it. Yeah, I don't believe. You see, you see, uh, uh, Gareth. We need to understand where Ramaphosa, where Ramaphosa. You know, leaders, each and every leader in, in each and every country uh, has a certain history, right? That sort of characterizes him, right? How mm. he thinks who he mm. is, what are the people he has been connected with throughout mm. his political life. You cannot tell me that Ramaphosa didn't know that there was this Gupta family, right? That was well known, well known in the ANC. Uh, the ANC that he has always been part of Ramaphosa, right? He has served for many, many years, right? And he had been influential within the ANC, right? He didn't know that these guys were somehow connected to, to the Gupta family, right? Yeah. There's no way that he couldn't have that detail or there's no way that he he could not receive that information, right? As he served as the one of the most senior leaders in the ANC. Right. There's no way. So right now he's playing... This thing of, um, no, I didn't know, um, <laughs> I wasn't aware of this, I wasn't aware of that, is basically denial, right? That each and every South African, I believe, should not believe, right? There is more that he is not telling us, right? In terms of he himself knowing, mm-hmm. he's, not, he's, he's not being honest on, on that, that's my belief. So, uh, th- I mean, there's just no way. And by the way, I think I, I even said this on your show, if I'm not mistaken, that is, it's always been hard for me to to think that because in in all this sculpture scandal mm. Ramaphosa sort of he, he wasn't really getting <laughs> there was no there was not, nothing that was coming that was more concrete to say well he did this he did that yeah. and he would come out and deny i could not believe all of that right i, I i've always said that there is no way that this guy right never knew anything yeah. right but it's good that he has he has he has he, he hasn't been confrontational with the commission as uh-huh. Zuma has been. It's <laughs> yeah. good that he has come out and sit down, right, and say what he has to say as the prince of the country. I yep. think that's good, you know, and to be questioned. That is good. You know, we should appreciate that in our democracy, at least at this point, that the president can come out and 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 do that. And also that the former president is being, you know, being punished for basically disobeying the process right? right so i think we should we should be grateful that those those things they are still there in our democracy and in many african countries that would be difficult to find the state you are in with respect to the commission and all yeah. this no you're you right know, um you're right that's something to look that's something to be african to be countries. pleased with mm, yeah we should be pleased slim with that, pickings right? but, we'll, but, we'll, but be... we'll take it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's legal, but we'll, we'll take it. I mean, what? What do you? We'll you mentioned it. just now. I thought this was an interesting point that, you know, Cyril's one of his his kind of points of view was, it's okay. Withdraw your pensions early. Use your pensions now to um to kind of help yourself through a tough time because these lockdowns have also created huge economic trouble for South Africa. And then we had the looting and the rioting the other day. So Cyril, Cyril says. 
I mean, not Cyril. Uh, Tito said that it was a good idea if, if we dipped into those pensions. And if government borrows its money from the pensions of people who have been uh, saving responsibly, the few people in this country who have been saving for their retirement one day, is that really a good idea? What do you think of that as someone who talks about the free market and about private property? How do you feel about that idea? I mean, <laughs> amen. Yeah, Brad, no, it's, I'm not a fan of that idea, man. I'm sorry. I mean, the whole idea of the, the government taking the money that I have worked for, um, for, for a very long time, uh, trying to save for my retirement. Yeah. And then that gets spent on, on government programs that we do know, we do know that when it comes to government investment, let's be frank here. Yeah. The 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 you know the rate of return <laughs> is not good. It's poor, it's very the return very poor. When government investment. When you look at the you know the spending we've done over over the years, um, you know the projects we have been involved in, um, the misuse of funds. You could go on, you know, <laughs> on how money is being mismanaged in that process where government tries to to make a difference with 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 uh, with taxpayers' money. Um, so for me, uh, it's, it, it, it just shows, Gareth, this is, I think I said this in, I had an interview with the financial magazine, yes. and they wrote this in the magazine, I think it was last week, where I said, you know, we're in a, a situation now where bad um, economic policy that we have indulged in over the past, I would say, two decades is now catching up with us, Yeah. Right. We're in that process now. It's catching up. In, it's catching up with us when you look at the fundamentals, right? Uh, whether it's economic growth, it's unemployment, it's government debt, um, and so on and so on, right? Even crime as well. The crime rates that we are still seeing, all those things, the social economic conditions, right? Mm-hmm. So bad economic policy is catching up with us, right? And, and so how could we have thought for so long? How, how yeah. could the ANC have thought for so long that, that that there would be no consequences for their bad decision making and for their bad policy? Uh, you know, a lot of people persuade themselves that, ah, if we just get through this and we promise people X, Y, and Z, eventually everything will be fine. But this is what happens, is is that you, you eventually, the chickens come home to roost. And right now, the cupboard is bare. People can't expect to, uh, even if they, they try to loot the cupboard, the cupboard was already bare before the looting. Mm, yes, I mean, but your question is, how could the NC could not <laughs> understand that <laughs> this is what the result will be? You see, part of the problem in the NC is that what you have is that, yes, you do have a few people who can be sensible, right? The guys like Trevor Manuel, when you look at the recent, yeah. in our, you know, democratic history, Trevor Manuel, Tito Mboweni's, Tabon Big, the president, was to an extent. Uh, on economic policy sensible. Sure. So you are going to have those figures, right? Those people in the NC who are, who are sensible, but they tend to be very few. Largely the push in the NC and the, 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 the push is that we should move more towards, you know, these ideas of this, uh, more regulatory, um, measures, more minimum wage laws, more, um, you know, more common spending, right. more common control and, it's affiliates influence that that way of thinking, right? right. So they, the NC, you see, I've always doubted, Gareth, that these people get into the meeting room and strategize and say, you know, we are going to do this to destroy the country, right? Yeah. I, I doubt that's what. Yeah, yeah. No, they it, do it's, 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 it's not. It's not willful destruction. It's just sheer incompetence. Yes. I mean, somebody says here, exactly. and I, I, this is an interesting. This is a really interesting point. Um, somebody says. I've heard, this is MB, I don't know, you know, these I've heard things I love because sometimes there's someone who actually does know something, that the ANC have not taken minutes at meetings, cabinet minutes, obviously, for seven years. No evidence of knowing of state capture because obviously in those meetings they would talk, but they never record the stuff. You know, in in the White House since Nixon, in fact, even before that, I think it was under Kennedy, Every phone call the president makes is recorded, even those very highly classified ones that could lead to war or peace. They're all recorded. And then one day, 50 years after that president has died, they release all those phone calls so that people can figure out what the real story was. Because the problem with history is it's always written from a certain point of view. 
And it's always nice to have extra evidence of what goes on. And also, if you are the government, you're responsible to the people of that country, right? So there should be, at least we hope there would be, there should be some record of the decisions being made by leaders that get the country into a good or a bad position as a result of those decisions. And we should know, we should have a record available to the public of what decisions are made in cabinet. And of course, they shouldn't be available now because there would be security concerns around some of the things they discuss. There would be very good reasons why we shouldn't be party to every cabinet meeting. But to not record them, if that's true, then we really are just allowing people to be a den of thieves with no consequence. And we are, we are being mismanaged, yeah, right? absolutely. Um, I mean, every, I board, every board of every company has to keep minutes of every single meeting that they have. Every decision made by a CEO of even the smallest business is recorded. The auditors and the accountants and the people in, what do they call it, governance in a, in a company, they have to know what's going on. So if we can't even have that in, um, in, in a, if we have to have that rather in a business, then it should go without saying that that stuff should be recorded in, in cabinet meetings. But, you know, um, there is a, an, an economist called, um, some, some of your of members of your audience might know, there's an economist called Thomas Sowell, mm. who is a senior fellow at the, at the Hoover Institution in, in California. And when you look at his political arguments over the past decades, um, his political writings, um, what, what, what Sowell has emphasized is that Political thinking and political decision-making mm. is different from basically world well, economic, but business is yes, also different course. from business, you know, thinking, right? And what he has said is that when we look at politicians, they are not, they tend to do not be held accountable or be, or be punished for their actions, right? Um, and, and this is the case here now, right? Because, I mean, yeah. They are mismanaging the country, yes. not drafting or recording the critical conversations that the, that the people of South Africa at some point will have to know about. That shows you how politics operate, right? No accountability, mm-hmm. um, you know, whoever has been, will not face the consequences no, and no so on and so on and so on, yeah. right? It's easy to deny things and say, I didn't know. I didn't know that Brian Molef was connected to the Guptas. <laughs> yeah. It's just easy to... And and, and 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 by the way, he's still going to have his job. After what he said yesterday, misleading us, yeah. he's still keep his job. Correct. In <laughs> fact, there are going to be people in the media and, and people in the in the public who will say that it's terrific that he's come clean and we should praise him for this. Uh, his 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 own involvement in bad decision making. Let's just change tack for a second. I saw that the DA um are very much against the postponement of local elections. Uh, how do you feel about the postponement of elections? Do you think this is a major threat to the the fabric of of democracy, and and is it unconstitutional for parties to try and move the election for what seems like a very stupid reason? They're blaming coronavirus, obviously, but many countries have had their elections. Many countries with much less in terms of resources than we have here on our own continent have gone ahead with their elections during coronavirus. What do you say to that? Well, I, I, you know, Gareth, I've always um, there the, the, the tend to be a, f- a very few things that I, I disagree with um, with the DA on. Um, uh, I tend to when you compare the NC and the DA, yeah. I, I I sort of I always largely agree with with what the DA stands for um, and what and the issues that they usually push back against, yeah. right? Uh, how they pushed back against Zuma over the years during Zuma's administration, right. and how they've also, you know, have been fighting this issue of guns as the NC tries to disarm the law-abiding citizens. Um, the DA has been active in pushing, and you know, I commend, I commend those actions in the DA, and largely standing for what's basically a liberal economy mm-hmm. or kind of a freer market economy, a mm-hmm. market-driven economy. I commend that. And also, you know, when it comes to the, this thing of the election, right, my point is that even in this instance, I commend uh, them for being a bit sensible than other, than other parties, right? There has been, uh, people have been saying that this is just a tactic by the ANC and the EFF to delay because they know they are in serious issues. Uh, they've mismanaged, um, 
you know, I should say the NC has mismanaged um, the COVID-19 pandemic and therefore they are doing this mm-hmm. to basically, you know, for things to favor them. Um, and I think for me, the DA has been right here. I don't think, I'm, I'm quite uncomfortable with the postponement of the election. The process needs to go ahead and we need to put in the measures that will attempt to, to slow down the spread of COVID-19 at the time of the election, right? We can't, we can't stall the country here, uh, Gareth. We cannot continue stalling the country. Yeah, we can get now back then we to work. Stall it, right? In, uh, on, that stall note, on that note, should lockdowns just end now? Is, is there still a good argument for lockdowns? Nowhere in the world have they made any discernible difference to halt the rate or to slow the rate of spread of this virus. In no country have they shown any particular sign that lockdowns have helped at all. All they have done is wrought economic destruction everywhere they've been implemented. And the countries that have had hard lockdowns have had much worse consequence economically and in terms of people's lives. Is it time to end the lockdowns? Well, we, we continue to have lockdowns because of, of, of how the ANC has basically mismanaged, again, COVID-19 pandemic. And in this phase, the vaccination rollout program, right? Mm. That has been slow, delayed, mm. even by global comparison standards. South Africa is not a poor, South Africa is not a poor country, really. It's, it's usually measured as a middle income state. That's right. what South Africa is, right? You can't okay. compare South Africa to DR Congo, to, to, you know, to Gabon, you know, Safka is way ahead of just that. Just by the so way, Harry, Harry Greer, just sorry to interrupt you, but Harry says Zambia, yeah. is, Zambia is actually going to the polls today in their presidential elections. So they're proving my point. See, I mean, I mean, these are poorer countries with, with far less GDP mm. per capita mm-hmm. compared to our, to our GDP per capita, right? Mm. Uh, as you said earlier, even with the resources as well, they're under-resourced. Mm. We are more resourced as a country, right? So politics, um, there is not really a sensible, a rational argument for the postponement of of, of the local elections. Um, it, it's got to do with politics and and lockdown, um, lockdowns. Uh, just to, to, Craig says there's zero good yeah. argument. What's your position there? Should they end the lockdowns now, or do you think that because our vaccine? No, I'm, I'm no longer I'm no longer in favor of lockdowns now, uh, okay. Gareth. I favored the lockdowns in the beginning, right? Okay. Of that, it was um, May, yeah, April, May last year, because. We had to prepare for what was not known. Yes, right, correct. Of what the impact would be. So I favored those lockdowns there for us to, but lockdown and then move on. I no longer favor lockdowns at this point was they have just caused huge damage to people's lives. Um, you know, I mean, it's just sad. It's been sad to watch. It's been sad to watch. Well, so I no longer favor it's, that. It's funny. You, men- other measures. you mentioned the DA earlier and here Corona's boring is saying, um, I'd like to point out that idiots like Alan Windbag, I think they mean Alan Windy, but we'll, we'll go with that name, in the Western Cape are very much in favor of hard lockdowns. That guy is a snake. So that's obviously Corona's Boring's point of view. But I, I, it is interesting. There are people in the DA who've been very much for lockdowns. Yeah, well, there have, they have been figures of the, you know, the DA is a very interesting part in its own way, by the way, because you are going to find people who are just, <laughs> at least in my view, <laughs> you just have a different kind of thinking of what um, some in, in the party stand for. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there will be those figures in the DA who will continue to support or think that um, we should have lockdowns. But I think largely the party has been, to an extent, I think compared to the other two parties, the EFF and the ANC, I think they have been quite sensible over the past year when it comes to COVID-19 um, mm-hmm. on how we can but there manage are, it to there, a level that it doesn't are these, cause there are these people. There, there are these people um, like Alan, Alan Windy who, who really, he's, he's been very pro-lockdown. In I've fact, lost you, Gareth. I can't hear you now. Oh, sorry. There are people like this Alan Windy who, who have been very pro-lockdown and have been almost on the opposite side of the argument to what the, 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 the libertarian and, and, the, and the freedom people are in terms of lockdowns, it's interesting because they can both, you know, those points of view can both be accommodated seemingly in the DA. Just like, well, just like two points of views or three points of views can be accommodated accommodated in the ANC, mm. <laughs> you know. So, yeah. I mean, I guess we are dealing with a, um, of, of how, it's, it's a nature of South African parties, I would say, where you have, you are going to have 
the divisions within the party as to how things should be handled on, handled on, on public policy. Um, but I must say, I must emphasize this, that yes, we can criticize those elements within the DA. Um, but I think on large part, the party has been sort of sensible um, right. when it comes to, to the issue. So we shall see how, how it does this year, along with with another guy I like as well, um, Herman Mashaba, on, on how things turn out. You, you like Herman Mashaba. You mentioned his wife, Connie, earlier. I wish she was running because I almost feel like she might be a, a better sale than, than him in terms of, uh, of the things she says. I mean, I don't want to... Pick... I know you're not a big fan of, uh, of Mashaba. No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not an enemy of his. I actually quite like the guy. I just don't know that he's a very compelling politician. Uh, whereas his, yeah. his his wife is both an impressive person and had had she decided to go into politics, I'm sure would have been a very impressive politician. Anyway, you can't make decisions for other people. The point is, though, that with Herman Mashaba, he's he's definitely something we need in our politics. I don't know whether he'll be able to command uh, huge numbers of supporters, but I think that that he's necessary. What do you think of the new mayor of Joburg? Do you have any thoughts at all? Because he found himself um, elected this week in the in the national provincial, I mean, sorry, the provincial assembly. So, what do you think of our new ANC, a mayor of Johannesburg? Well, you know what was striking with that is that I mean, almost no one cared. <laughs> <laughs> really, I mean, it was quite strange. That's why I'm only bringing it up with uh, with about five minutes left of the burning platform because nobody really cares, right? I mean, it's yeah. I mean, you also don't care, Kevin. That's why you bring it up now. So, yeah. I mean, um, Jolly D also... Matongo. We don't know much about this guy. Yeah, we don't know much about this guy. Um, so, but I mean, it's one of those deployments of the ANC, mm-hmm. right? Where I think what you need to expect is exactly how the ANC thinks, right? Um, I don't see this guy as a guy who is very much, you know, sort of have that thinking of the Mboweni kind of thinking, you know, um, the Inokotongwana kind of thinking when it comes to uh, the, the the economic setting. So, I mean, it's, um, it's just the continuation of the NC here, um, Gareth. There isn't much. The status quo should persist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always say that so long you have, so long as, you, I mean, you just met, mentioned something earlier where if, 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 if you do a cabinet reshuffle and you, and, you know, you bring one person, um, you remove the other one in the NC, it's, it's almost always the same. Basically just moving, it's like moving the chairs in a big room, right? <laughs> There's no reform. Or the deck chairs chairs on the Titanic, yeah. (laughs) It's the same thing. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's the same thing with the mayor as well. Mm. You are still going to see the status quo um, in place. I always say that you need people who have a very, a largely different kind of thinking from the ANC. If you want to change cities, municipalities, um, the whole country, the provinces in South Africa, I think you will need a huge sort of um, movement. That is not like the NC. Are you a, are you a pro-masker and anti-masker? Are you pro-vaxxer and anti-vaxxer? These are important questions people ask at family brides and at, uh, at, at dinner parties and at, uh, at coffee meetings at the office. Uh, do you have strong feelings on any of those things? On the, on the, you see, I'll be frank here. Um, no, I don't have an issue with, with the mask thing, but I've struggled with the mask. Hmm. But, you know, it's, it's too late now to debate the mask thing, Gareth. I mean, yeah, well, it's people, one year and a half yeah, of COVID. I, 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 unfor- know, unfortunately, it's not going anywhere, though. We're going to have to keep wearing these yeah, things yeah. regardless. I mean, in America now, they've got mask mandates in places that they didn't even have them before. So the craziness continues. Despite the fact, but, but I, I, think, I just want to clear up hmm. because, I, you know, there, there are a whole lot of people being canceled left, right, and center for being anti-vaxxers. And I think in, in the case of this, there are hugely gray areas it's not all black and white but i think that the vaccines if you believe in the vaccines as i do and you think that they are a good thing and 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 a real miracle that it allows society to carry on moving forward despite this pandemic which could have halted us in our tracks and did for a while i think vaccines are a very good thing i'm very much for them and i think everybody should be able to make their own decision at the same time. So you can chew and walk at the same time. You might be very much pro-vaccines, um, but you might also be very much pro-people being able to make their own minds up, don't you think? Well, I, I won't. I won't um, personally, personally, I don't want to lie to Gareth. 
Uh, I will take the vaccine if I'm forced to take it. I mean, I, 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 I'm at a very low risk of COVID-19. Right. Um, and what I was thinking over the past months was that, you know, if I'm not forced, um, in fact, my own way of living would be to live a healthy life, work out as much as I can, yes. eat healthy food to, to boost my immune system. And I, I'm a very, uh, when it comes to COVID, I'm a very low risk. So I, I'm not keen to, to take the vaccine. I don't. I hope I won't be forced to take the vaccine, right, at all. I'll take it only if I'm forced, right. Yeah. But, I mean, do I want my family members to take the vaccine? Um, of course, sure. I mean, they should take even my mother as well, who's got some sort of pre-existing condition, mm. conditions. You know, she should take the vaccine. Um, but for me, I'm not going to do that. It's just a personal, uh, unless, of course, I'm forced. So I, I think your question, Garrett, is around, should we condemn and demonize and enforce those who don't want to participate in the, in the vaccination process, right? And for me, I, I think that's a very wrong way of doing it, okay. um, of forcing people to participants. Because, I mean, if you take the vaccine, I mean, it's you and it's going to, you know, pro- to protect you, protecting yourself in a way. Why do you expect me to also be vaccinated? I mean, you took the vaccine. Excuse me. So you should be, you should be okay. So we don't have to force other people. So the I'm, force I is. Agree co- with by you. the way, Garrett, even corporates are doing this. CNN, CNN fired a few employees recently. Yeah, that's right. For the fact that they were not vaccinated. Mm. So we may reach a point where my employer, right? Forget about the state. My employer will force me and say that if you don't vaccinate Pumlani, I'm therefore termin- terminating the contract. Right? <laughs> and that's a problem, right? So we are seeing this. This suppression of individual freedom, mm-hmm. even in corporates or institutions or from people who have power, right, um, uh, over others, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, it's a sad state. I, I don't want to lie to you. Well, I'm afraid that's pretty much all that we've got time for this morning. I, I could easily go into many other areas. I wanted to talk to you about what's going on in Australia and what's going on in the UK and what's going on in the US at the moment, not to mention uh, China and the rest of Europe because there's lots of stuff to discuss, but we're out of time. This yeah. is The Burning Platform. Pumlani Majosi is our guest, and thank you for joining us this morning, Pumlani. It's always good to see you, and thank you for your time. We will be back. Thanks, man. Thanks. We largely we largely agreed on things so I know. some of the audience might, but it's okay. You um, know? <laughs> people people hate it when we agree. So I mean, I, I can't constantly have people in here who I'm arguing with. Otherwise, that's also going to become boring. But great to have you on, and great to have your point of view as always. That's Pumlani Majosi, who is of course a senior fellow at African Liberty, and uh, they are particularly interested in economic freedom and individual liberty, um, which sounds like economic freedom anyway the EFF, but I promise you, Pumlani is the opposite of the EFF in many ways. So, that's it for this morning. Thank you very much for being part of the show. Uh, Hopefully, Pumi's okay. She'll rejoin us next week, and you have an excellent Thursday. Cheers. Bye-bye.